CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Everybody, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don and I here on Your Money and Your Life as we talk investing, finance, and retirement as we usually do. And we are going to get into part two. I feel like, Don, we should have one of those like movie things, you know, like the big giant <laughs> sequel part two thing comes up. But we're going to get into part two of inflation, interest rates, and investments, you know, oh my kind of thing. How you doing, my friend? You doing all right? I'm good, Mark. It's uh, that's a good way to put it, right? So, you know, the the best movies, in fact, the blockbusters always have part two, and Coming then part soon. three gets worse. Part four is terrible. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if inflation is is necessarily a part two we want. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's right. But you know, anyway, hey, so we're into May. This is our May edition. You know, April showers, May flowers, all that good kind of stuff. Uh, so, but, uh, it seems like all we get, you know, is showers, but I guess, you know, maybe eventually that'll make it all real pretty, but what do you think? Yeah. I'll tell you right now, it's what we, all we have is lots of pollen. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, the green stuff on the tree. My nice silver car now is like daily. It's green <laughs> and you have a, you have a nice 1970 green cougar, right? Yeah. So. It's actually green. So I can't tell too much actually, <laughs> but yeah. But even right after the car wash, it's green. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's if you have allergies, this is not a good time of year. My wife and kids I, I, suffer yeah, from that. I'm sneezing left and right. And, of course, people look at you like you have three heads, you know. Yeah, especially now with sneezing and coughing mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. But interestingly, I've had several clients now with COVID who thought they were suffering from these seasonal allergies. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, they decided to get uh, a test just to be sure. And lo and behold, it's not an allergy, it's COVID. So fortunately, only uh, mild symptoms for all these people. And you know, the last one I spoke with was last night. It was a client of mine. She's 88 with surprisingly she thought wow. she had allergies but covid but she just has a scratchy throat so well kudos you know, to a speedy recovery yeah definitely yeah unfortunately for a lot of people it seems like it's lately it's been uh, pretty mild yeah well that's good i mean i'm glad it's it's good that it's mild right hopefully nothing else for her but that's amazing right. she's 88 though kudos for that hey since we were just talking about cars real quick and before we get into our main topic today of inflation you mentioned that you were looking for a car uh, well, actually, it's kind of related. You know, you're looking for a car for your son for the college year. Used cars are like 32, 34% up. So that must have been fun and a bit of a jolt. How's that working out so far? Yeah, you're right. It certainly was a jolt once you get a slap of reality and there's absolutely no <laughs> negotiation on price. It's more like a bidding war. Like, oh, man. you know, for people who are buying houses in a way, you know, there's more uh, demand and, and very little supply of good cars, at least. And right, yeah. We ended up getting a, a, a used, or now they say pre-owned, Mark, right. pre-owned Honda CRV, which is a good car, yeah, uh, yeah. especially for a young person. I, and I know if I bought this car two years ago, I would have paid at least five or $6,000 oh, less. easy, yeah. Easily for yeah. this. But on the flip side, his old car, which to me, it seemed like in, you know, in the past would have very little value, turns out to be quite a hot uh, car. He got like 30 text messages when he posted the car for sale online. So when there's inflation, it pays to own stuff. <laughs> well, that's yeah. good. I guess that worked out all right to a degree there. You know, and to your point, it seems like uh, all the talk lately, obviously, it's well, it's a couple of things, right? It's uh, at the time we're taping this now, we've got this whole leaked 
you know, court, uh, Supreme Court thing. But usually it's lately it's just been inflation, interest rates, the volatility of the market. Uh, I just saw something, Don, that the S&P, they were saying the reports of the S&P is off to its worst start since 1939 uh, for this year. So every time you look at the news, you see these numbers, gas prices and, you know, all the fluctuation and the volatility. And so as we speak, the, the Fed's are announcing or announce another rate increase. So I think we ran out of time on the last show to really dig deeper into these issues. So that's why this is part two. Let's see if we can dive in a little more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly investment volatility, you talked about the S&P 500 with this bad year so far. Mm -hmm. It's nothing new. Right. Right. We've been dealing with, with that regularly our entire lives. And many people don't realize, though, Mark, over the past 80 years, the S&P 500, Dow Jones, really the proxy for the U.S. stock market, it drops about 5% once every four months, mm -hmm. right? So at least uh, three times a year, it drops 5%. And even 10% on average every year or so. So right now it's off... Like you said, about 12, 13 percent mm -hmm. for the year. And that's, you know, not a good start. But, you know, uh, it's not unprecedented that we have this these levels of uh, bursts of volatility. And what's surprised to many people is the drop in bond values as well. So right, yeah. that we don't usually see as steeply as the, the drop in, in stock prices. But in relation to interest rates, there's a lot of talk about mortgage rates now touching 5 percent from a low of about two and a half percent just over a year or so ago. So when do you think the last time rates hit close to 5% was? Oh, man. Um, let's say before 2008. Yeah, actually, you know, that's it, commonly it's that would be an answer. Mm -hmm. It was not that long ago. The last time was about the end of 2018, huh. which is only three and a half years ago. Yeah, really? Right. So think about it. It just got up to like almost 5%. Now we're just kind of ticking over 5%. But, you know, when I bought my first home 25 years ago, my rate was 8%. I'm sure you experienced that too many years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah, people are, it's wild to think about, right? Even in, or even our, you know, like my dad, my parents, you know, back in the 70s or even the early 80s at, you know, 15%. Oh, right. I mean, it was that's the way it was in the late 70s and early 80s. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I bought my first home and it was hovering around 8%. I think we refinanced to like 6% not so long after that. Okay. But one of the mortgage people I dealt with said, that's going to be it. It's never going any lower than 6%. Well, yeah. you know, a couple of, uh, not, not about 12 months ago or so, was 2.5%. Right, but now yeah. all the buzz today, as you mentioned, is the Federal Reserve is planning on raising rates again. Uh, just did it recently, but they're raising rates again to tamp down on rising inflation and uh, expectation of more inflation. But as we mentioned on the last show, the Federal Reserve only has control over very short-term rates, and they only have so many bullets in the gun, so to speak, to fire at this target called inflation. So there are forces in the world that also have a great impact on inflation. And right now, it's the, the war in Ukraine and COVID, of course, that still affects parts of Asia, particularly China. A lot of people don't realize that. They've had that. some more breakouts and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and Shanghai, and now mm -hmm. it's leaking into the Beijing area. Yeah, and they're worried about uh, production shutdown. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. and you know when that happened, and they're still focused on this thing they call zero COVID, 
right? They're not letting it spread through the community, but they're trying to shut things down for periods of time and seeing if that's a way they could deal it, which really has not worked anywhere in the world. But ultimately, there's an imbalance of supply and demand. Uh, Here in the U.S. and in Europe, there's great demand for products and services. And in fact, I had lunch with a client recently who came back from a trade show in Germany, and it was packed. Uh, And the same thing with uh, meetings here in Orlando or Las Vegas or other popular convention areas. They're all doing very, very well with uh, with business meetings. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, there's definitely the strong demand out there. Uh, there's just still the lack of supply in, in, in a lot of arenas. I wouldn't say all, but definitely a, a number of them. And so people seem to be in pretty good financial shape. I mean, I just was checking some statistics the other day and saw that the average, about 25% of people put more money away for savings during the pandemic through 20 and 21 uh, because of all the stimulus and things of that nature. So, you know, people seem to be in good financial shape, although there's always that fear in the back of our heads, right, about money, which is what we're seeing with the volatility to your point a second ago, 10% is not that abnormal, even 12. But after three years, Don, like 19, 20, and 21 being so great, we're a little spoiled. I think we're a little addicted to those numbers. And so when we see drops in volatility, we get scared. And now, you know, again, we've got these high prices on goods and cars and trucks and home appliances and all that. So that imbalance, I guess right now is probably still what, mostly oil and labor? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's true. And even getting back to what you mentioned about being spoiled with the returns from 19 and, and years 20 and 21, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't that long ago, even though year 2020 ended up being okay, maybe right. the returns were 5% or so. Beginning of the year, it was down 30, 40, 50, 60%. That's still a right? pretty good turnaround. <laughs> to, yeah, it's to a good positive. Darn good. Yeah. Right. So people have short memories. I mean, that's just very natural. Right. But the imbalance for sure is driven by oil prices and labor, no doubt. On the, the service end of the economy, people are traveling again in record numbers. Mm-hmm. There's a great demand for airline travel, there's no doubt. And, and by the way, my comment on the last show about people perhaps having reservations about traveling without face masks, we talked about yeah. that? Because mm-hmm. we did that show on the day that the, the face mask rule was dropped. Yes. Um, and my wife had to travel the next day. Yeah, she said there was like nobody wearing one. Yeah, it's it's funny, but it seems like that is not an issue at right. all, right? Yeah. With with uh, having with people uh, having reservations about travel, and the mm. airlines are recording record bookings. Yep. Uh, and the same is true for hotels and resorts and car rentals. Even cruise lines are filling up again, and that's interesting because that's an area with a lot of older customers. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. And the issue is that jet fuel prices are very high and there is a labor shortage. In fact, I read last month over 4 million people quit their jobs. Mm-hmm. Think about And last year in 2021, 47 million people quit their jobs. So mind boggling. T- yeah. That tells you that workers have a lot of confidence in their ability not only to get better pay, but to really improve their work environment, right? So remote work has completely altered work life. Looks like it's here to stay, you know, to a great extent, especially for white collar uh, gig workers, you know, and people who have those kind of uh, those kind of skills. But here's one lingering problem. There's still millions of people that left the workforce during COVID 
and have never come back. Yeah, and it's just mind-blowing numbers, those uh, stats that you just put out there. And I think a lot of the problems with some of that is, and obviously that's the supply issue, is you know the white-collar or the office job is the work from home, but a lot of times we can't make and assemble products from home, right? So a lot of the things that are still need yeah. to be built, we got to have people back in the in the factories and the various places. So where do all these people go, right? Are, are, aren't they going to eventually run out of money and need to get back to work? And I guess with the high demand and the few workers, that is the recipe for those higher wages. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think many of those people will return eventually to the workforce, Mark, when the, the bank account dries up. I mean, how long can it last, right? Yeah. I mean, for, for many people, they're sitting on cash, maybe from all the stimulus and unemployment and things like that. Uh, but as of now, no doubt about it, fewer people employed works its way through the economy with higher prices. I'll give you two examples. Yesterday, I had lunch with a client whose brother was recently vacationing in Disney. From They came from the UK, from England. Okay. And they were surprised not only at the Disney entrance fees, but the food and all the extras as well, all, you know, the prices related to that. They're always what, high. I can't imagine what they are now. Wow, you know, I just looked this up. I, I think the daily fee, depending upon like the week you go, is up to like $165. I mean, for a, my wife and I went like seven, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago. I mean, even a Coke then, like getting a, a drink, you know, as you're walking around was like five bucks. I can't imagine what it is now. Yeah, you can imagine, right? Yeah. So what was really surprising uh, is the comment that he said on how the service at Disney oh, sure. was not up to expectations. Well, well, they got a lot of other problems right there. <laughs> there Disney, uh, they right do. Now, There's no doubt over the past few months, no right. doubt. <laughs> but they just in the past uh, couple of years, they're experiencing labor shortages. Yeah. And that affects customer service. You know, Disney has always prided themselves on customer service, and it's factored into the price and the experience. But they have several few, thousand fewer workers now compared to 2019. So the potential solution is raising wages, which increases prices. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff that we've been talking about for a while, even before all this stuff happened. You and I have been going through these different things. And you know, it's just, you know, you, you can get all Lion King if you want, circle of life, but economies have circles as well. You know, it's a circular kind of emotion. And so, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of issues going on with that. And the Disney thing definitely doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's, that was surprising in terms of the, not the price, because I know it's expensive, but the quality of the customer service, that was something that, that's a little bit new uh, that I haven't heard before. But here's another example for you. My wife and I are, were having dinner at a restaurant last week. And when I asked the waiter for bread, he said, they now charge $5 for bread. Oh, the complimentary bread is $5. Yes. Okay. Not complimentary any longer. Not anymore, yeah. No, 5 bucks. So not enough for most people to say no, typically, I would think. But uh, in addition to the, the bread, the price of the burger that I ordered was about $5 more than about a year ago. So... That's why inflation's been called the hidden tax mark. Yeah. And I've always liked that, the hidden tax. So I think it's a good saying. And I think, it, you know, obviously it's very appropriate. And to be honest, we really haven't paid inflation much attention, Don, until it's now slapping us in the face, right? Last several years, last number of years, we haven't paid that much attention. And that's, to me, it's like calories. You never pay a lot of attention until it's really starting to affect you. And it's clearly affecting us now. So if that total price for, that dinner, I don't know, was what, let's say 80 bucks a year ago, then it was, would it cost you a hundred? 
you know, now, you know, kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if $80 could be 90, 95, a hundred dollars, you know, plus tax. So that's where you see the, uh, this hidden tax show up and the hidden tax description reminds me of something in Europe. And you're familiar with this probably called the value added tax. Oh yeah. The VAT right? tax. Mm-hmm. Yep. The VAT tax. So they just simply add that to the price of what you buy. So let's say if you buy a watch here, uh, for a hundred bucks mm-hmm. in the U.S., uh, you know maybe it's a hundred bucks plus seven percent tax sales tax. Okay, depending upon where you live. Right in Germany, it might be a hundred and twenty-five dollars for the same watch because that twenty-five percent value added tax is is built right into the price. Yeah, I like that. They, we're so good with fluffy term value added, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. It's like where's the value? By yeah, the way, right, it's just exactly. a tax. We're doing no you value. a favor. It's value add. You know. Yeah, it's it's not just a tax. It's a good tax. So. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of taxes, you probably heard this. The chatter in Washington last week to bring down inflation was get this to increase income taxes, oh, right? Geez. No kidding. That was mentioned by a few senators. We can increase income taxes. That will take money out of the economy, reduce consumer demand, bring down inflation, but they don't think of the last part of that, lose my election. Yeah, right. Up, <laughs> when that kicks in, that's when the, they start changing their mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's gets, it gets a little crazy sometimes. And so now with all that being said, Don, though, for us average folks, right, you know, what should we be thinking about, looking at, or possibly doing? Yeah, so first of all, remember the, the old saying of having an understanding of what you can control and what you can't yeah. and knowing the difference between the two, right? So inflation, at least for the time being, is going to be high as long as fuel prices are high. And labor in Asia supply issues remain, and uh, of course, until things uh, settle down a bit in uh, in Ukraine and Europe, uh, and hopefully there's a, some resolution to that coming up. But you, you can't control inflation, interest rates, or the investment ups and downs. Uh, now, I'm not saying don't worry, don't think about it, be happy. Uh, you may have a good reason to worry if you react to the news and panic every time there's a 10% change in the investment balance or load up on tech stocks and chase returns and look to buy gold or Bitcoin or, uh, or things, cryptocurrency and things like that, you probably should be worried because it's a recipe for failure. Well, Don, we talk about that all the time, you know, diversify, you know, the grandma-ism, don't put all your eggs in one basket, uh, you know, rebalance and understand those needs and goals and personal circumstances, uh, you know, and I just, as I mentioned earlier, the three, you know, the last three years, the market being very well, we get a little addicted to those nice big returns. And so rebalancing or maybe taking some risk off the table is not a bad idea. Should we be looking more closely uh, at that or spending habits? Yeah. I mean, certainly rebalancing should be something that's part of a process. It Mm -hmm. should be a reaction to ups and downs. But in terms of the spending habits, it's always a good idea to tally up your expenses, and understand your cash outflow each year. My wife and I just did this recently. It's always surprising how much more you spend, right? (laughs) We did what? Where? When? (laughs) Exactly. No, it can't be that high. So as to whether someone, you know, needs to change anything, that's always a very personal circumstance, a personal situation. But you should always know Mm -hmm. uh, how much is going out. And uh, what does make sense 
is, is to look at your personal particular spending needs and and how that higher inflation may impact your risk of running out of money and impact your the areas where you spend money, right? So inflation doesn't affect us all equally. Right. Uh, and I was speaking to someone today who's not yet a client yet. Um, it was a prospect, but not a client yet. But her 401k uh, dropped over 10% this year, right. you know, something like 12, 13%. And she ran a list of her expenses, and it looks like she's just not yet able to retire, given her spending habits and, and savings level. Uh, for others, I speak with a 10% inflation rate in their in their spending over the past year really has no impact on their lifestyle or their risk of running out of money. And I'll add that's probably true for most of our clients. Well, I think with inflation, you know, we need to understand it, accept it. I mean, to your point, because there's, you know, there's not much we can do really. And then look closely to see what impact it's having on our personal situation, just like a lot of things when it comes to, you know, taxes or whatever else where we can't control what they're doing. So we have to be, uh, you know, effective on our end to the point that we can. So what moves can we make on maybe the investment side? Yeah, this is where education, patience, and understanding comes in, Mark, mm -hmm. particularly in the early stages of retirement. So those few years before retirement and those early years of being retired, uh, it reminds me of a lot of when my kids first learned how to drive a car. And you went through this too, I'm sure, years ago. They would grip the steering wheel really tightly and, and look straight down at the road in front of them. Uh, and then after some time driving, we would switch seats, and then I would be the driver, and they would be in the in the passenger seat. And I would point out to them what I was looking at when I was driving, like the intersection ahead and the, the rear lights of the cars ahead when they hit their brakes, and who were in the lanes next to me, maybe erratic drivers, things like that. And my son or daughter would ask, how do you see all those things when you're driving? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. You heard that, right? Yeah. And I would say, like, you have an experience as a passenger, and I have over 30 years of experience uh, in the driver's seat. Right. So you adapt. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, today my daughter was driving me someplace in my car. And I was thinking, this is so weird having someone else drive my car <laughs> with me in the passenger seat. Right. But I didn't have that concern because now she's been driving for several years. But if you grip the wheel tight and, and look at the road right ahead of you, and if you're thinking, don't crash, don't crash, right. two things happen. First, you're totally stressed out when you're driving. And second, you won't be a very confident driver. So it's very similar to planning for retirement in a way there are a million things to deal with in retirement right investments and inflation what we're talking about interest rates taxes medicare long-term care legal issues ira rules and they're always tinkering with ira rules and 401k rules and if you spend your retirement years gripping the wheel tightly, you're not going to have a very enjoyable ride. I like the analogy. It's a good analogy because, yeah, if, you know, if you're white knuckling it, we've all had situations where we've done that and we have a headache and we're stressed and our shoulders hurt and all this kind of stuff. Same, you know, it's a really good idea thinking about that as you're thinking about your investment uh, style and personality. It reminds me of your role, Don, obviously working with clients over the years, you and colleagues, you know, you got all this experience. You've been doing this a long time, helping families get to and through retirement, working with thousands of people, you know, who have successfully enjoyed those years. 
and that's honestly why I think that's the value add. We're back to that conversation of the value added tax, right? It's the value add that I think working with a professional like yourself, Don, brings. So any closing thoughts as we wrap up this week? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I just got off the phone with a client that recently retired, and he said that now that he has free time, he took advantage of uh, a good rate on a trip to Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Beautiful place. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm sure you've been there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plans on playing golf for four days with a dear old friend that he hasn't seen in many years, catch up on things, watch some ball games, uh, enjoy some of the great food in Savannah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Lots of good food in Savannah. Mm-hmm. But he also said that since he um, deleted the financial news app on his <laughs> phone, uh, <yes>. <laughs> his <laughs> happiness level is better than ever. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what? I think we could all do with some of that, even with the social media stuff. I think we'd all be better served if we could just figure out a way to, you know, the, the cell phone, I was just telling my brothers this yesterday, the smartphone is an amazing, amazing invention. Unfortunately, I also think it's one of the worst things that we've created because we just don't have the emotional uh, intelligence sometimes to deal with all that access all the time. So it's good to put it down, step away, walk away, whatever the case is, so that you can enjoy things in retirement like that, gentlemen. But, you know, obviously, if you are stressing, well, that could be a sign that you do need some help. So if you're not already working with Don, you're listening to the podcast, you're not working with him, you're possibly a prospect or thinking about it or whatever the case might be, sit down with a qualified professional before you take action on anything you hear from us or any other show, because we're talking in generalities and you want to make sure that when you sit down with a professional, you're going through your unique situation. Of course, Don's a CPA and a CFP, and you can get on the calendar and have that strategy session. You can have a phone call. Uh, visit with him, whatever the case is. Lots of ways to do it. You can just give him a call at 800-664-1183 or stop by the website at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the content would like more of that or share it with someone who might benefit from it. You can find all the information on whatever platform you like to use, Apple, Google, Spotify, so on and so forth. And you can also, again, find it at his website, donaldcash.com. Don, thanks for hanging out, buddy. I appreciate it and I hope you have a great week. All right, Mark, you too. Be well. We'll see you next time right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. And we're dropping this right before Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to your lovely wife, Don. And we'll be back in a a couple of weeks uh, just before Memorial Day. So we'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.